Lord our God, you are so good. We thank you so much for the blessing of being free. Being free physically in this country because of what the Anzacs did years ago. But even better, being free spiritually. Being free for all eternity because of what our Lord Jesus did for us on the cross. You are so amazing, so worthy of our praise. Your love is more than what we can ever know. But Lord, we just want to say that we love you so much in return. And we thank you that you change us day by day to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that today will be another step in that direction for all of us. We thank you for your word. Please prepare our hearts as we uh, hear your word. May we be opened to being changed by your word, to know what it means or what it looks like to live more for you and like you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thanks, Miriam. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to read from Isaiah now. Isaiah chapter 29, verses 13 to 24. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Therefore, once more I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us, who will know? You turn these, <clears throat> excuse me, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? In a very short time, will not Lebanon be turned into a fertile field and the fertile field seem like a forest? In that day, the deaf will hear the words of the scroll and out of gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Once more, the humble will rejoice in the Lord. The needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The ruthless will vanish. The mockers will disappear. And all who have an eye for evil will be cut down. Those who, with a word, make someone out to be guilty, who ensnare the defender in court, and with false testimony deprive the innocent of justice. Therefore, this is what the Lord, who redeemed Abraham, says to the descendants of Jacob. No longer will Jacob be ashamed. No longer will their faces grow pale. When they see among them their children, the work of their hands, they will keep my name holy. They will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Those who are wayward in spirit will gain understanding. Those who complain will accept instruction.
Thanks, Miriam. Can I just pray quickly again for us now? Our God, we pray that by your spirit you may take this word, plant it deep within us, cause it to bear good fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's been a little while since we've uh, heard from Charlie Brown in one of my sermons, so I thought it was high time to hear from him again. Uh, and here's a cartoon um, uh, to illustrate what we're talking about today. Okay, so uh, here's Charlie Brown. Uh, as he's, uh, he's saying, next year I'm going to be a changed person. Anyone ever said that? Next year I'm going to be a changed person. And of course, in typical Lucy fashion, Lucy replies, that's a laugh, Charlie Brown. And he says, I mean it. I'm going to be strong and firm. And Lucy says, forget it. You'll always be wishy-washy. And Charlie Brown, look at him, all standing there all alone, forlorn, says, why can't I change just a little bit? And then he says, oh, I know. I'll be wishy one day and washy the next. (laughs) Poor Charlie Brown. Poor Charlie Brown. But it's a common experience, isn't it? Despite great intentions... (laughs) despite all the New Year's resolutions that you might have made. Anyone still going with theirs? Uh, Maybe a handful? Good on you. But despite all of those things, change can be so hard, can't it? Uh, It can almost feel impossible. Well, it's a huge issue, this uh, this issue of change, of transformation. Uh, It's a huge topic. It's got a massive amount of things said about it. All you need to go to to do is to go to a bookshop and visit the self-help section and be bewildered by the number of voices that are kind of screaming at you uh, in this area. It's also something that Christians have thought about a lot and had discussions and debates over. We know that God changes us by faith when we come to faith in Jesus. We know that God changes us. Uh, He gives us a new identity as his children. Or just There's an objective change, there's an identity change that is already taken place. We know that he will change us. One day, perfect I will be. Uh, we know that when Jesus returns, we will experience a new resurrection life in the age to come. But what about all of these years in between then and then, <laughs> between those two things? What, what can we expect in the meantime? Should we expect dramatic change once we become a Christian? Um, should we, to go to one extreme, should we expect a life of health and wealth and happiness, a kind of constant life free from suffering? Is that what we should expect? Or maybe a life of constant, decisive victory over sin? Uh, Should we expect an elevated status of holiness through our devotion to God and become the elusive (laughs) super-Christian? So that's got a one end of the spectrum. Or on the other end of the spectrum, is the story of the Christian life, become a Christian, then just twiddle your thumbs for a few years before you go to heaven? Is that kind of... Don't expect it too much here and now. Just put your head down, grit your teeth, serve on a roster, and wait for heaven. It's the kind of Lucy response, right? Change, that's a laugh, Charlie Brown. Well... This issue of change and transformation is at the heart of the book of Isaiah that we are uh, over a a long time um, sort of working our way through. But this issue of change and transformation is at the the heart of this book. Uh, I don't know if you remember back when we started last year, we saw that this whole vision is about transformation from Jerusalem to new Jerusalem, from creation to new creation. 
and what we see in this chapter is Isaiah giving a vision of deep and radical change. We didn't read the first half of the chapter. That first half focuses on the city of Jerusalem, which gets called Ariel. It's a bit confusing, but that's what's going on there. Uh, Isaiah pictures Jerusalem being miraculously delivered from their enemies. Uh, and we'll come back to that when we um, get to chapter 37 later on in Isaiah, when we'll see that fulfilled. But the second half of the chapter, Isaiah switches from talking about the city to the people. He focuses on the transformation that God's going to bring about in his people. And that's what, where we're going to focus today. So he paints this picture of the people that's not very pretty. Uh, it's a picture of spiritual hypocrisy. Uh, and just like we saw in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the people, these people he's speaking to, they're mask wearers, they're hypocrites. Remember the word hypocrite means someone who wears a mask? And originally, uh, an actor who's putting on a mask, an outward show that doesn't reflect the inner reality. And so verse 13, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth, they honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship, their worship of me is based on merely human rules they've been taught. So you get this picture of these people just going through the motions, saying the right things that the people around them expect them to say, following the rules, but all the time their hearts are far away. This idea of the heart, um, uh, we, we sort of looked at a little bit in Matthew's Gospel, but it, it's a really rich idea in the Bible, this idea of the heart. Uh, it doesn't just mean how we sometimes use it, just to sort of talk about our feelings or our emotions. That's kind of, in, it includes those, but the heart is a much deeper reality in the Bible. It's a way of talking about the deepest truth of who you are. Your whole person includes your, your desires, your will, your thoughts, your emotions. To know someone's heart is to know them truly and fully. And, and so at, at the deepest level, these people Isaiah is talking to, despite going through the religious motions, um, they, they are far from God. Their hearts are far away. They look close, but in reality, they're miles away. So down in verse 15, it's, it's, uh, as you keep reading along, it's not just spiritual hypocrisy, uh, but it's spiritual pride. And, you know, the two kind of go together, right? Uh, these people think that they can hide things from God. Then as, as he goes on, Isaiah uses this great image to illustrate for us what's going on. So there'll be a picture on the screen there. Uh, it's image to illustrate how ridiculous their pride is. He uses this example of a potter and a pot. Um, so for these people to think that they can hide from God uh, or they can manipulate him with their empty religious sort of um, activity, it's as ridiculous as if a pot is talking back to its potter. So verse 16 uh, Isaiah says to these people, you're turning, you turn things upside down, as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. So what is formed, the pot, say to the one who formed it, you didn't make me. Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? And here's another picture to just illustrate that. Imagine that, hey? There you go, there's some pots. I managed to find a picture of some with faces on them. But imagine the pot you make actually sort of growing a face and saying that to you as a potter. I mean, <laughs> that's the attitude that these people have to God. It's totally upside down, and you're supposed to kind of laugh at it. It's ridiculous, but it's also tragic. It's tragic, right? 
Uh, but when you get to verse 17, so, so this is the picture that Isaiah paints of where these people are at now. But then there's this incredible sea change. The, the, wind, the wind direction changes as you get to verse 17 and everything kind of gets turned around. You can feel it come. They're, they're, they're turning things upside down in their hypocrisy and pride. But God is going to turn them the right way up again. Verse 17. In a very short time, will not Lebanon be turned into a fertile field and the fertile field seem like a forest? It's a sort of tricky image to get your head around. But in, in other words, at, at its heart, as I was saying, a great transformation is going to take place. Um. And then he talks about um, the, the people and their blindness their, their, or their deafness to God's word. Earlier in the chapter, we didn't read this, but Isaiah's already talked about how these people are blind to God's word. It'll be up on the screen. Back in verse 9, Isaiah says this, Be stunned and amazed. Blind yourselves and be sightless. Be drunk but not from wine. Stagger but not from beer. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep. He has sealed your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads, the seers. For this whole vision, everything Isaiah is saying to them, the word of God to them, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. And if you give the scroll to someone who can read and say, read this, please, they'll answer, I can't. It's sealed. So that's the kind of situation. There's this spiritual blindness to the word of God. But now Isaiah says that's going to be healed. Jump forward to verse 18 now. In that day, this day when God will bring about this transformation, the deaf will hear the words on, of the scroll. Out of gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Do you remember last week, um, if you're here, you might remember, we looked at how the, the people uh, thought of God's word as just meaningless babble. Um, they, they just sort of thought of it as something that was just meaningless to them. They couldn't hear it. Well, it's not going to be like that anymore. Those who are deaf to it once will have their ears opened. Those who are blind to it once will have their eyes opened. And as you read on, you see this transformation, this thing that God's going to do is going to bring a deep joy. Verse 19, once more the humble will rejoice in the Lord. The needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. It's a great joy that is going to come, but it's not going to be... It, it, who will it be for? The humble, the needy, not for the proud, the self-made people. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so that day for the proud, as, as you read in, as this passage goes on, that day will instead be a day of justice. Verse 20, the ruthless will vanish, the mockers will disappear, and all who have an eye for evil will be cut down. Those who with a word make someone out to be guilty, who ensnare the defender in court, who with false testimony deprive the innocent of justice. There's going to be a great day of justice. And Isaiah rounds things off here, but he gives this promise from the Lord. He speaks to the descendants of Jacob, uh, the people of Judah he's talking to, and he looks ahead to this day of transformation for God's people. In verse 22, this is what he sees. He says, Therefore, this is what the Lord who redeemed Abraham says to the descendants of Jacob. No longer will Jacob be ashamed. No longer will their faces grow pale. 
When they see among them their children, the work of my hands, they will keep my name holy. They will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Those who are wayward in spirit will gain understanding. Those who complain will accept instruction. It's, it's a complete change in this people who again and again through Israel's history, again and again we've seen in Isaiah, have hearts that are wayward and complaining and seemingly nothing can, ha- can change that. Well, nothing except the mighty work of God. And, but you notice right at the end there in verse 24, this vision that Isaiah is talking about, it, it's, not just, it's not simply about the day, a, a day when... Uh, the, the wicked are cast out and the righteous are lifted up. It's not simply what's going on. One, one of the things Isaiah is going to show us is actually <laughs> that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Uh, each of us has turned to our own way. And what Isaiah sees here is the stunning grace and mercy of God. See, it's not just a day when the wicked uh, will be cast out and the righteous lifted up. It's a day when the wicked will be made Righteous. It's a day of stunning transformation. The wayward and cynical rebels are changed. So they understand. They joyfully accept God's instruction. And they stand in awe of who he is and what he's done. Okay, so you get the picture. This this is what they were. This is what they will be. Uh, The big question is how? How is that going to happen? How is God going to bring this about? Uh, the details don't get spelled out in here, but uh, one of the key things is it's well the key thing is it's it's going to be it's going to come about not through human effort, it's going to come about by a great act of God. And there's a verse I skipped over right in the middle there, verse 14, that talks about this, and that's where we'll kind of round things up. Verse 14 says, "Therefore, once more I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder." The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Uh, Wisdom and intelligence are good things in the Bible, but this is talking about the kind of wisdom and intelligence that's fueled by pride, human pride and self-sufficiency that thumbs its nose at God. Uh, And this, this problem is so deep that the people are in it. It can't be fixed by them. It, it needs a new creation, a new transforming work of God that is going to astound those people who see it, like leave us totally breathless and with a jaw on the floor. It's going to astound those who, sing it, uh, who see it when God will bring to nothing this proud so-called wisdom of the wise of this world, the self-reliant intelligence that tries to manipulate God. How is this going to happen? Well, Isaiah is going to sort of unfold what this is going to look like as we keep reading through his prophecy. Uh, Next week we'll hear about how uh, um, repentance and trust are so important. He says repentance and rest, quietness and trust. Isaiah is going to then go on and talk about a coming king who's going to set up this kingdom of life and peace. Um, And this kingdom would be characterised by this outpouring of the Spirit of God. God's Spirit would come in this new and transforming way Uh, Later in his book, I I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but this transformation is going to come about through a servant of the Lord who would suffer and bear the punishment for the sin of his people. Uh, So there's heaps that Isaiah is going to unfold for us, but in other words, uh, just stick with us as we read through Matthew's Gospel. 
basically. <laughs> because what Isaiah is going to talk about and what is unfolding for us is nothing other than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he reflects on what Jesus did, he quotes from this chapter. Maybe you've sort of picked that up as we went through. He quotes from verse 14. Uh, he quotes from it um, in his letter to the Corinthians, the first Corinthians, and, and he says that this moment of destroying the proud wisdom of the wise, this moment when God will astound the world with wonder upon wonder, this moment is fulfilled in the cross of Jesus Christ. Um, the cross that looks so foolish, doesn't it? To the eyes of the world. But Paul writes, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So 1 Corinthians, this should be on the screen, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 23. Paul's, Paul writes, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Isaiah's vision of change is nothing other than gospel transformation fueled by the power and wisdom of God expressed in the cross for us. It's a vision of change that's utterly different from any other kind of theory of change that you might come across. Utterly different from any self-help book. It's his gospel transformation and it's brought about by the Lord of the universe in you, in your heart. What, see, Isaiah didn't have this. He looked ahead to it, this moment. But how astounding that what he looked ahead to, you look back on. You look back on. Um, in an incredible way that wasn't available before Jesus, this transformation is available to you. Deeply, in a lasting way, your wayward spirit can gain understanding. Uh, your needy heart can be filled. I don't know about you, but I, um, I kind of almost, maybe you flinch a little bit when you hear that. I kind of flinch even to say it. I, I don't want to sound like a, you know, a kind of manipulative salesman raising false hopes and peddling snake oil. Uh, but maybe it's also just my own cynicism and kind of shallowness of faith. I'm just a little bit too much like Lucy in the, at the end of the day. Uh, I, how, how hard and slow I've found change to be in my own life. How stubbornly persistent my sin is. How foolish I can be. I, I can easily... I think you, know, you do this too, right? We close off doors in our life. We close off doors in our hearts. We say, my wayward spirit in this area is too wayward. It can't gain understanding. Not here. But friends, God's word encourages your heart today that this is not so. See, God is not finished in your life. God isn't finished in your life. He knows you. He knows your every weakness, your every sin, your every temptation. He is not surprised or shocked by it. He sees it more fully than you do. And he loves you still. He loves you still. 
In Christ, he loves and forgives you and is always at work in you. See, brothers and sisters, this isn't, this isn't snake oil, right? It's not just another self-help guru giving you some advice. This is the living and enduring word of the God of the universe who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ and who has exerted his incomparably great power when he raised Jesus from the dead. And Paul says in Ephesians, that same power is now at work in you. So friends, Isaiah 29 is a deep encouragement for us not to give up hope, not to give in to Lucy-like cynicism or despair. So what areas of your life have you given up on? Uh, what doors have you closed off from the renewing work of God's Spirit in, you, in your life? Your hardened bitterness, your love of gossip, your anger, your lust, your unforgiveness, your desire for revenge, your idolatry of money, of comfort, or pleasure, or security, or control, and, you know, we could just go on and on, couldn't we? Maybe it's just that unhelpful habit you're stuck in, that distraction that keeps you from meditating on God's word and from praying to him. Friends, the steadfast purpose of the Holy One of Jacob, the God of all creation, is to transform his people into the image of his son. He has done that decisively in Christ and he will do it perfectly when Jesus returns. And he is doing that in you now. If you are, by faith, united to his son. Uh, that's never going to be finished, right? It's never going to be finished. Um, so we mustn't sort of... Uh, buy into the kind of lie that we can make it and then take our foot off the, off the accelerator. Uh, it's never going to be finished. The transformation will continue until the new age, the new creation. There's a long way to go for all of us. Uh, and if you speak to someone who's a bit further on in the faith than you, you'll probably find them say the further they go, the further they see that they haven't gone. <laughs> right? The, the, the further you go, the more you see how far you've still yet to go. Uh, it, but... It is a lifetime adventure with God, friends. Learning from his word in the family of his church and in the power of his spirit. So don't give up. We need each other and we need to pray. So that's what I'm going to do now. Can we do that together? Our Lord Jesus, we, we saw recently of the great transforming work that you are doing in the lives of your people transforming us from the inside out, giving us new hearts. And you call us to pray, to ask with the confidence that it will be given to us, to seek, knowing that we will find, to knock, knowing that the door will be open to us. You are our Father who loves to give us good gifts when we come to you. So, Father, we pray for your ongoing transforming work in our lives. We thank you so much for the unspeakable privilege that what Isaiah looked forward to, we look back to. Uh, that in this wonderful uh, time after Jesus in the age of the Spirit, we now have your Spirit within us to change us, 
to mould us more into the image of your Son. Oh Lord, please, um, please open each of our minds and hearts to those areas in which we are closing off to your, your deep work within us. We, we are sorry for that, Lord. We repent of that. Give us confidence in you to again and again seek to turn away from our sin and cast ourselves on you, to turn to you in faith. Renew us, we pray. Help us to live day by day, little by little, being changed by you and your word, by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.